Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. Please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we are doing. But this week, I have Michelle Garrett with me, and she is a, mar- a PR person, a content marketing person, a social media person. She's also done Twitter chats. She's also a part of the PR Lunch Hour, which is a Twitter spaces. So she's getting into the new found or fingled, basically new features for Twitter she also has many different types of awards, which we are really excited to have her on the show. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pleased to be here. And the first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Wow. Well, I really lean more on the coffee side, although I do drink both. But I'm a big Starbucks fan and, uh, I, you know, I love Pete's coffee and I'm, I'm, I really have to have my coffee. So it's, it's like first get up, you always have to have your coffee type of thing oh yes i mean nothing happens without coffee so <laughs> it's really a, a not a good not a good day if for some reason there's no coffee so we just try not to run out ever that's fair that's fair but i gave a brief summary of your expertise can you give our audience a little bit more about what you do? sure um i have um been um had my own consulting business for Many years now, um, and um, I specialize really in two areas. I writing is my first love, um, and then public relations, of course. So my favorite clients to work with really involve a mix of those two things, and luckily, um, you know that that works out really well because I think to be a good PR person, strong writing skills are very important. So nice and. Moving on to more of Twitter and Twitter spaces and Twitter chats as they're, I think they used to be called Twitch chats before, but um, what, how has the implementation of Twitter spaces, has it made Twitter chats less popular, more popular? How's that dynamic been working for those two working? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, um, I've had a Twitter chat for three and a half years, which is freelance chat. And that chat is more popular than ever. Um, the spaces I co-host on Friday with two other uh, PR pros, and that started. I think that's less than a year old. It'll maybe March will be our year anniversary, and so I haven't really seen the chat um, become less popular because of the space. I think there. I think Twitter. I mean, I feel like Twitter is really pretty you know, hot right now. But of course, I'm sure there are people out there that don't like Twitter and never use Twitter. I, as a PR pro, feel like I really need to be there because that's where journalists are. And so I'm I'm pretty active, um, you know, in all ways on Twitter. Gotcha. And are there, how, how can brands actually effectively use Twitter spaces? So I know it's all new. I knew, I know when it first came out, Clubhouse was the first thing and Twitter did it, but Mm-hmm. How can brands actually use this to, I guess, bring awareness more to their brand? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that I would say, as with any marketing or public relations tactic, 
is to make sure that you know where your audience is. Um, is it going to help you reach your audience? And then what are your goals? You know, what do you want to accomplish through the use of Twitter spaces? Because if you launch a space and your audience isn't there, it's almost like, what's the point of this? Unless you're just doing it for fun, which of course is fine. But if you're a brand and you really want to do it as a part of your marketing program, uh, I think that you really need to do your research first. I'm not a believer in the, you know, let's throw some spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks method of marketing and branding. I think that a lot of businesses seem um, eager to adopt that that practice and not really stop and think about, you know, why are we doing this? Like, is this where our audience is and, and what are our goals with this? And then once you know those things, you can kind of figure out, does Twitter spaces really fit that? Or would there be maybe a better way uh, to reach them? So would it be more apt to say that brands should utilize their employees or employee influencers for Twitter spaces to make it better for them? Because I know you have to make this interesting or it's that's why it seems like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that um, I'm trying to think of an example of a brand, in fact, using Twitter spaces. And that would be really good to think about um, because I think that some people come with a built in audience. Um, but I think on the brand side, I'm trying to think of anybody who's really effectively using it. And I'm sure there are some. I just can't really think of any off the top of my head. Um, but I think that if you were a brand that were going to use Twitter spaces, just like if you're a brand posting on LinkedIn, for example, or anywhere else, if you can engage your employees to help you kind of get that off the ground and make that go and, you know, share it, promote it, I think that can be a big help. Mm -hmm. And are we going to see more audio content or as I'm probably going to be calling it now, social audio because it's usually called drop in, drop out audio, but I like the term social audio. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question because I know video is very popular, but I think Twitter lends itself to the audio. Uh, and I'm not really sure that other popular social media platforms do audio maybe as well as Twitter could do it. You know, of course, there are many platforms for podcasts like Spotify and so forth, but I just don't know that... Um, I don't know about the other social media platforms with the audio, but I do think that Twitter is just a great place to, to implement that. So we'll see what happens. Mm, yeah. I mean, Facebook was supposed to do it. I don't know. They're still doing it. And LinkedIn is supposedly coming out with their own version this year. I think that'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, you know, I was wonder how much room there is for everybody, you know, like, <laughs> because I think clubhouse has, has suffered, you know, since Twitter space is, launched, I think Clubhouse, that use has probably gone down. I don't know for sure because I never used Clubhouse. I waited for Twitter because I was already there and that's kind of where my audience was. And that was just a natural fit, but I'm curious. I'm sure that it's probably cut into the Clubhouse um, popularity. I think it has too. I, think I have it, but I never look at it to be honest with you, because I just don't know how to, what to do with it. It's, it's like an app on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, I've heard people say, I mean, some people have said like it's very effective for them. I just feel like for me, it would be yet another platform to keep track of. And honestly, I think a lot of people are kind of cutting back on how many platforms they're on. And I think that's a really smart strategy because I don't know that everybody can do everything well all at the same time. It's just really hard to do, you know, more than even I'd say two or three 
platforms and and do them really well. I focus primarily on Twitter and then probably LinkedIn, but and I'm more in the B2B space, but I can see people just spreading themselves too thin. I mean, that even lends to an interesting kind of, I guess, question about how can B2B companies use these types of new things? Can they be more of a private, I guess, Twitter spaces for private B2B people or something like that, make it a little bit more intimate? Because sometimes it's like there's a lot of, there could be a lot of people joining your Twitter spaces and then that's hard to manage sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, there is a new feature on Twitter that um, I don't know if brands could take advantage of this, but there are communities now. Uh, and so I started a community for my chat folks because there are, we, you know, we chat once a week for an hour, but there are questions that people have all throughout the week. And now if they're part of the community, they can come in in a private you know, somewhat private. I'm not going to say that anything on social media is 100% private, but it's less public if you want to ask a question in the Twitter community versus just posing it uh, on Twitter um, at large. And then moving more on more to like written content, is it still important for brands to keep their blog posts or even try to start up a blog post? Because, I mean, we've heard about video, TikTok, now social audio, as I'm calling it. So, what about the written word? Because it feels like everybody just never talks about blogs or rarely talks about blogs anymore. I mean, I think it's very important because I think that they have value over time. So when you have a body of work for uh, prospects or customers to come and visit and kind of look through at their leisure, I think that can really pay off. Um, I see a move away from overnight success types of strategies. And so I think if you maintain a blog, I think that can be a really effective, you know, like longer term strategy versus something that, you know, you expect to show results maybe right away. It does maybe take time to show results, but I do think it's a reliable, sustainable way to do um, some of your marketing because and the other thing about a blog that's so great is you can post what you want on there. Um, and then you can also reuse what you post on the blog. You could use them, pitch them as a contributed article, as a guest post, you can promote them on social media and there are different ways to leverage them. So I think it's really um, a really great way to market a business. So like evergreen content, similar to podcasting, because podcasting is in that similar vein for audio as long tail content in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that's something to really think about. And I think people that have had a blog for a long time are probably really seeing it pay off now because, um, you know, that that Google, of course, searches it and then it, it does, you know, it has just longer term effects. They compound on top of each other, I think, over time. And I do think, I mean, even refreshing your old blog posts can be an effective strategy. I see people talk about that sometimes. Um, look at for the ones that maybe underperformed and see if there's some way you can freshen those up and maybe, you know, share them again. So I do think evergreen content is a great thing to keep in your blog to your point. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then what are your thoughts on what is now called web three or web 3.0? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> that's a, that's quite a question. No, I, um, I just think that everybody, the proponents kind of need to take a step back a little bit because there are a lot of skeptics uh, out there who, you know, I don't think that repeating the same messages, the same, I guess, for lack of a better word, hype 
um, without really backing up those claims is a good way to get to convince people and get them to come on board. I think they need patients. I think they need education. I think there's a ton of risk for scams out there. So people do need to be somewhat wary of it. Although I think it's important for um, those of us in PR to understand it at a basic level and just kind of keep, you know, just keep our eyes and ears open to see, you know, what's happening next. I see the jury seems to be out on it. Yeah. I've heard differing opinions, but is there a way to implement some of the stuff? Maybe not NFTs, maybe not the creator coins, Mm -hmm. but maybe like a more Mm community-based type thing. Maybe that can be implemented right now instead of the other stuff that's like, what are NFTs? How do you do this? Like, where does this come from type of thing? Yeah, I think that's the part, you know, just having watched the Super Bowl ads the other day and then all the the buzz about Coinbase. I just want to know, like, if that's really, you know, obviously they got a lot of people to visit their website, but I just didn't know if that ad was all that effective. And I think a lot of us do have questions um, revolving around NFTs and, and all of that. And so, but to your point, I think, um, there might be things that we could consider seriously, like community. And I'm just curious to see, um, you know, virtual reality and like if that's going to, especially because people are not able to meet in person or maybe don't even want to go back to meeting in person as much as they were before the pandemic. Maybe there are ways to leverage that to make it, um, you know, to make that a viable, you know, option for people. With all this stuff, do we kind of see, like, it feels like digital is becoming, like, the dominant factor, I guess, for some people, finally. For other people, it's kind of like, well, I want kind of half and half. Are we going to see a return to more physical stuff? Are people going to be clamoring for this, <laughs> for events physically and all that other stuff, meeting people for meetings physically? Are we going to see some of that? And should we should PR pros at least try to have plans for both? physical and digital at the same time. I mean, I think so. I think we're going to come to like a balance of those two things. I do think some people miss that in-person interaction. For others, I think it was almost like a, I mean, I hate to say, you know, it was a good thing, but like I, they probably saw it as somewhat of a positive that they didn't have to go out to events, to meetings and travel and drive and commute. And so I do think there are people in both camps and I do think there's probably a happy medium that people will strike. I don't think we're there yet. I went to an event in person in the fall, a conference, and that was the first one I had been to. And I haven't been to one since then. And I don't really know if I'll be going to any more, at least, you know, in the very near future. But, um, you know, I, I can see that some people are really anxious to get out again. And I'm curious for my B2B clients because trade shows are a huge part of their marketing, but it's also a very expensive part. And I wonder if some of it isn't better, you know, it's it might be a better way to, to do it than, you know, buy a trade show space and pay for an expensive booth and have everyone travel. And, you know, I don't know if that's the way of the future or not. So I think it kind of remains to be seen. I mean, yeah, it seems like from what I've seen from different industries, live streaming seems the dominant factor, at least in the tech space, live streaming your own product launches, live streaming to other audiences, and then engaging in that way. Are we going to see like both of that happening again? Keep the physical events, but maybe reduce it and then use more of your revenue or 
I guess, budget is the best way of saying it for live streaming instead, since you kind of mm-hmm. own and control that and you could have a bigger space, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm curious about there are technologies that allow people to attend virtually, you know, and you can have a, a an avatar walking around in the space. And, you know, there are things like that. And I'm just curious to see if B2B, you know, if in the business uh, world, people are going to be a- eager to adopt those or if they're going to see it as, you know, not something they're really interested in, because I think virtual events are somewhat boring. You know, I think all of us have been to enough like Zoom conferences where, you know, you just sit and listen to somebody talk on the screen. And I mean, that's not really dynamic. So I feel like there ought to be some ways to maybe make that a little bit more interesting and dynamic for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it almost seems like they need to learn from like the cinematography in a way for live stream events, do multiple camera setups maybe, and try to make it a little bit more dynamic than just sitting there with with a one camera even though this is fine i feel like mm-hmm. product announcements could use a little bit more flair if you're gonna do virtual yeah i i agree with you gotcha and then what do you see coming down the pipeline for content and content marketing in 2022 i mean we've seen the rise of twitter spaces or social audio we've seen podcasting become a huge success because partly because of the pandemic and partly because it was already becoming popular prior to it so what are we seeing in the content marketing space in 2022 well i mean i've seen uh, a move again kind of towards slowing down and thinking through what you want to accomplish and then maybe maybe creating less content but of higher quality that's going to maybe meet your um, audiences needs better. And that was a theme that I took away from content marketing world in the fall was really this, this move toward not just pumping out as much content as you possibly can, but maybe slowing down just a little bit and, and being a little bit more thoughtful about it before you get on that, you know, in that mode of just chunking out content just for the sake of creating content. So the age old quality over quantity type of a thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we're moving away maybe, maybe, um, you know, finally from just, you know, the very short blog post, how to, you know, five things you can do to make this better and how to do, you know, like, I feel like maybe we're moving toward a little bit of a longer form uh, of content and, and maybe something that's, that dives a little deeper and involves a little bit more research, a little bit more knowledge of the audience and what they need. And could it be both? Could it be like some certain things are the short form and some certain things are long form? Could we see that dynamic of like, well, here's a simple question. Here's a two minute video. Here's a longer version or here's a more explained mm-hmm. version than like a 10 minute video. Yeah. Almost like a too long, didn't read type of, um, you know, scenario, because I think, what you can do when you have a longer form post is you can pull a lot of things out of that. I mean, you could pull, you know, you could make a video, you could, you know, you could use a podcast and turn that into a post and you could pull out social media posts from that and just repurposing it in different ways and figuring out how to get everything you can out of a single piece of content, which is, I think, a very wise strategy because once you have it, why not just squeeze all the juice you know you can from that piece of content because it's expensive. I saw a post about 
how much content costs to create by the time it's all said and done. And it's not cheap. So I feel like we ought to really be using it to the fullest extent that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And this could go with written and video because you could use YouTube shorts for like your simple, let's go get this answer quickly. And then your long form videos as well. Yeah, I see that too. Absolutely. And fun question for you. What feature would you like Twitter to implement that you've been really, really wanting them to implement? (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like I just like, you know, plain old Twitter. Everybody else seems like they want all these features. But I mean, I always feel like they could do some things better. One thing I want to look at with Twitter Blue is the bookmark organization feature, because I feel like I bookmark a lot of things on Twitter, a lot of tweets, and then I can never find what I need because I use it to do research and I'll think about, oh, yeah, I saved that tweet from a month ago. And then I go back and I've just got all these bookmarks and there's really no way to search for that particular topic or that particular tweet, even if I know who tweeted it. I can't necessarily just easily go back and find it again. So that's something I'm kind of, I see Twitter Blue offers a feature and I might pay for Twitter Blue to see if that's something that, you know, might be helpful for me. So if you're at curiosity of how they're going to do the bookmarking, hey, I forget about all my bookmarking sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I've seen people say that too. It's like, oh, yeah, I bookmark stuff or or I forgot. I, I think there was a very long time I was on Twitter before I even realized you could bookmark things because I would literally like copy and paste tweets and save them in a file for later because I do write a lot and I do use, you know, ideas and I share people's, you know, thoughts from Twitter in the post and I quote them and, you know, give them credit for what they've said, but I do use it that way quite a, quite a bit. So I feel like bookmarking, there's a lot more you could do with it. And I, that's one thing I want them to kind of maybe, you know, I mean, if it's Twitter blue, then that's fine. I guess that would be worth it to me. It would save me so much time if I had a way to do that. Um, I am excited that they're doing the community. So that's pretty new and I want to see where that goes. And then I'd like to see them do more with spaces. And I know they're working on that uh, as well. What are your thoughts on the downvoting they're, testing out because you can now downvote tweets (laughs) oh gosh yeah i saw something about that i think just yesterday maybe i haven't really dug into that yet but it seems like it might be a slippery slope yeah because then it's all like oh let's hope this doesn't get downvoted to oblivion yeah i mean and you know people are just mean (laughs) you know sometimes people just just would do that just to be you know just to do it so I don't like that idea, I don't think. But maybe I need to see exactly what their intentions are with it, I guess. But I don't understand. Some things, they they seem like, you know, they're not good ideas just right from the get-go. But maybe they have a master plan that I just don't understand, I guess. Fair enough. Any final thoughts for listeners? Well, I mean, I would say if you're not on Twitter, it's a great place to be. I know a lot of people don't necessarily think it's a positive um, place, but it can be if you make it. And I think there's a lot you can learn and share and um, find, you know, your community there. And um, if you're in PR, of course, reporters are there and, and they want to know, like, why more PR people aren't using Twitter as a tool to Um, interact with them, engage with them, and you can find opportunities for your clients there. It's just, to me, for PR pros, it's a must. Well, thank you, Michelle. 
for sharing your knowledge on content marketing and Twitter itself. Thank you for having me, Brett. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review or a five-star review and let us know how we're doing so we can do a better show for you. As always, join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get on Twitter or learn more about Twitter and see you next week. Later.